The Green Chair is brought to you by you for you. To support The Green Chair, please visit our website and purchase a lip balm at thegreenchair.com.au. The Green Chair would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we have recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. The Green Chair is produced on Wiradjuri Country. Welcome to the ninth episode of The Green Chair. I'm your host, Annie Maidens, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode. The Green Chair is an inclusive space for regional women to connect, collaborate, and interact with one another in a supportive environment. At The Green Chair, we believe connection, collaboration, and inclusion are essential, sharing the good, bad, and the ugly. In this week's episode, our ninth, I speak to Rebecca Bradshaw. Now, Beck is someone I wish I'd known 11 years ago. She is the lady behind rural child health and embodies everything you want from a child health nurse. I instantly knew Beck had chosen the right career path when I'd spoken to her. She is so caring and considerate, someone you want in your corner. So let's jump into it. Hi, Danny. I'm Rebecca Bradshaw, and I am a, I guess, 36-year-old mum of two boys who lives out at Jackson in Queensland. And yeah, I grew up on the farm in in and around central Queensland area and I wear a few hats like most rural women do so I'm a nurse and I'm a mum and I'm a wife and I'm a business owner now which is very cool Um, but I'm also a sister and a daughter and, and a friend and all of those other cool labels that we get to have. I think what the quite unique thing is is that we stumbled across each other on the lovely world that is Instagram and because you are a rural nurse Mm-hmm. Um, a baby nurse even. So <laughs> tell me what exactly that means and what that looks like. Yeah, so Instagram is a, an amazing platform, I guess, to bring people together at times, which is really handy. You're right, we did stumble across each other there, which is I'm very grateful for. I love being a baby nurse. So my, I guess, official title is maternal child health nurse. And so I'm a well baby nurse and I, I own and am the founder and the sole practitioner for rural child health which is a service that brings the child health nurse to the family home and it's entirely online. So any family from anywhere across Australia can access me for any help or support that they might need in, in that domain. What what exactly does that look like? Because I think of when like my kids were little and I was living in Sydney and I used to have to take my daughter, I used to go every week to the chemist to get her weighed and checked up on because, you know, I was young and I was wanting to make sure everything was right. So what exactly would you do because you can be accessed from anywhere? What exactly is it that you would provide and do to help people, especially, I know it's so hard to even have a nurse in some communities. Yeah, absolutely. So our biggest problem living rurally um, is having that accessibility to any of those specialised services like our child health nurses. So any, I guess a normal kind of consult would look like either via Zoom or if our internets are really dodgy for the day because we know that's a huge um, hurdle that we have sometimes in our rural areas via telephone. And it looks like parent education, parent support, growth and development checks. You know, if mum's got any questions or concerns about how their baby is walking, talking, feeding or eating at any stage from when they are born to when they're four years old, then I am the health professional that you would access for that. So a lot of people are quite 
familiar with, I pop down to the local clinic and I book in for my four-month check and we do a growth and development check. I can do all of that online. Our rural mums are extremely creative and adaptive and often very grateful to have access to a service and a health professional. So while I don't physically weigh your baby, you guys are very capable very resilient people and you know you can weigh baby and then let me know what that weight is and we can go from there but what I really love about my job is it's much more than just weighing a baby how are you going how are you settling into becoming a mum because holy crackers is that not the biggest life-changing event in the world at times it takes a fair bit of settling into sometimes so a huge part of my role is maternal support how are you going how are you settling in what are your findings working what are you finding really challenging How's that gorgeous baby yours growing? Have you got any questions or concerns about that? Let's see where they're at and, you know, make sure that everyone's running along smoothly. Yeah, I think that's something that we get caught up in that you go there or you see somebody and it's, you know, it's all about the baby. But I say to people quite often too is that, you know, you can't be a good parent unless you're good within yourself. So I really like that that's in your maternal health, that's the key focus, and then obviously the rest follows. So that definitely wasn't something that I received or anything. It was just like, oh, yep, they're put on weight. Good, we'll see you in a couple of weeks or whatever else. And, like, you know, it it can be quite – it is very – well, I found it quite isolating. And then, you know, first-time mum, I was, like, I'm breastfeeding and my boobs were so huge and I'm, like, I'm going to smother my baby and, you know, all of these weird things that you have. And it's just like, oh, can I ask this random lady in the middle of this chemist about that? Yes. And all the leaking. Everything's leaking. And I don't know if that's normal. Is it supposed to be leaking like that? And, you know, you're so right because the numbers look good. So the numbers, you know, are the be-all and end-all. Well, they're absolutely not. So I really, truly believe that about probably 30 to 40% of my job is the baby. You know, are they meeting their milestones? Are they doing, you know, what we'd like them to, to be doing at particular ages? And, you know, are they putting on weight and are they feeding well? And I think a really good chunk of what I do is, hey, mum, how are you? What are you? What are your concerns? What have you got going on? Who's supporting you? How about this parenting gig? Like the kids don't read all of the books that we read. None of them read the parenting manuals that we've read. And to be honest, holy moly, not one of them followed the parenting manual that we've all tried to read, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, all of those questions of I've just got home with this brand new baby and whether it's your first or whether it's your 10th, they're all so different. Yeah. And if it's your 10th, everyone goes, oh, you know how to do this. You'll be fine. Well, they also need support, those mums. You know, they might see something different or they're a different mum than what they were when they had their first baby because they've now got, you know, a different life experience. So they all need support, whether it's your first or your tenth. And they all, I think every mum should have someone who makes them feel safe enough to ask those questions that they go, geez, I don't know if I should be asking that, but I really would like to know the answer to that. Because I promise you, if you're thinking it and you've asked it, somebody else somewhere has thought it and asked it. I think that's the the really hard thing, like what you said, if it's, you know, I know when I had my second one, they were like, oh, you you know, you already know how to do this. And like you said, they mm-hmm. were my kids. Well, are they all completely different? They're not the same. It's very hard to think that. And, and you know, like, oh, again, really weird, weird, random things. And I was super embarrassed. I had to go to the doctor after I had... My first daughter, oh, my God, I had thrush on my nipples because she had it in her mouth. It's excruciating. Oh, my God, that was horrific. 
And then everything was hurting and then I didn't want to go anywhere because I didn't want to wear a bra and then people wanted yeah. to come over and then you feel like you got to entertain and then mm-hmm. I'm having to go see a male doctor, which I've got nothing wrong with seeing male doctors, but mm-hmm. it was like I don't really want you to be like having a close, in-depth conversation with my boob really right now. <laughs> yeah, not right now. This is not the time for that. I don't really feel up to that amount of energy output that I would have to put into that. Yeah. No, and it's just. Absolutely. You know, and I think that support and um, like I was the only person in my family at that time that had a baby and my mum didn't breastfeed and all. So I'm asking questions. She's like, I don't know. So. I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. That's, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what you Mm -hmm. should be doing. I don't know. Oh, you know, it's got to be on a schedule. You've got to be doing this. It's like, oh, oh, should I be doing that? Should I not be doing this? And I think that reassurance from someone who's Mm -hmm. medically trained to help you and, yes, the baby, but mm-hmm. this constant self-doubt of, oh, I found this online, Does it? do I should be doing this? Should I be doing that? Like yeah. it's, it can be quite overwhelming when there's so much information. Yeah, absolutely. And so much conflicting information, Danny. Yeah. Like you said, you know, it's so great to have a medical professional who you can go to. Absolutely. I love child health with all of my heart and soul and I'm extraordinarily passionate about it for a whole bunch of reasons. And one of them is my own, I guess, journey in the healthcare system. But I'm not the expert of your child. You are the expert of your child. So you need health professionals who are going to go, what's happening? How can we make this work for you? Because I can go, you should do this, 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 and this. Mm. Yeah, righto. Sure. Cool. No worries. Have a nice day. Can you walk out going, well, that was a complete waste of my time because I didn't understand where I come from. They had no idea how I'm going to make that happen. And yeah, so, you know, it doesn't matter if it's breastfeeding or formula feeding or introducing solids or sleep and settling or your general parenting style, how you'd like to do that. It's really important that you find someone who's going to support your choices and how you want that to look and how that's going to work for you and your family because you know as health professionals we can talk to we're blue in the face about strategies and you know what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing but you need someone who's going to understand that implementing that at home might not be that realistic so let's tweak it so it is realistic because the last thing we want is mums going god I've just had somebody else tell me that I really suck at what I'm doing what mums need is someone at least once a day going you know what you're doing a bloody good job And it's a really hard job and you're doing okay, even when you feel like you're not. And I think that's the most important thing I get to do as a child health nurse. And that's really, really lovely to actually hear because it is that self-doubt and looking for, you know, people's opinions and it can be so conflicting is that if you have that grounding point, it can make your journey so much easier. And when you find those key people that yeah. can help you, it's just like a light bulb just turns on and it's like, oh, I've been living in the dark for so long. Isn't it? I had, um, I've got two beautiful boys, which I'm very fortunate to be a boy mum. They're just wild and outrageous and, oh, my goodness, they push my buttons and my boundaries every day. But I feel like I'm growing into a better human <laughs> because of it, um, because of them. And I remember I had went and saw a child health nurse for his two-year-old appointment, which is hilarious because everyone's like, why do you need to go to see a child health nurse? You are a child health nurse. I'm like, I know, but it's very different when they're yours because I have the exact same feelings that all the other mums do. Mm. Am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Have I done the right thing? Has he eaten enough vegetables today? What if this is normal? What if this isn't normal? You can't see the forest for the trees when it's your own. So I think it's really important that even as a child health nurse that I took him to other child health nurses to get 
you know, updated. And so I had the support as well. Anyway, oh, my goodness, I walked out of that appointment and burst into tears. And I was like, that was awful. And I rung my husband. I'm like, she was so mean and I felt really bad. And just to this day, it still makes my heart race thinking about that appointment because it was not a positive experience. And then fast forward to the next health appointment and I found a different child health nurse in an entirely different suburb. We were living down in Brisbane at the time and she was incredible. She heard everything that I wasn't saying. And to be honest, the one thing that she said to me was, wow, you've got a lot going on at the moment. That must be really hard. And I burst into tears of gratitude because finally someone had heard what I was saying and just supported me in that and didn't go, you're doing this wrong and didn't say you should be doing this and didn't go, oh, I don't know what you're worried about. And I remember thinking that is how all the mums need to feel is that someone's listening to them. Oh, just, you just nailed that on the, on the head. Like, and it's, you know, it's, different or whatever, um, but same, same, is mm. I my, my daughter goes see um, an occupational therapist and we were having a similar type conversation last week about I was saying how I notice things about my daughter that, like, the school teacher doesn't notice and then mm. the OT, because she's been seeing her now for two years, notices the same things and asks me the right questions that I get, give her the right insight. And yeah. she was just like, but you you understand her and you can see her on a level that other people can't. And it's just, Mm -hmm. you just nailed that on the head for me that it's sometimes you might not even see the struggles that you're facing because you're too busy in the trenches. Too busy living them. You are, you're there in the trenches, you know, trying to get through the day. And it's like, oh, actually, I'd never actually thought about how difficult that actually has been. So yeah, it's not. And that I am it is nice it is nice for someone to recognize that and for you to go you know what I am doing a good job and I am doing okay and what I'm doing is really tough and you wouldn't change it for all the world because the little human that you get given to take home from hospital is the little human that you need in your life to become the person that you kind of end up becoming but geez louise some days that road feels really rough and it's so nice when someone can just appreciate that for a little moment with you and give you space to sit with that I think that's something we we really need with health professionals because it, it is such a hard time, like you said, like you don't click with everybody, is no. that to find that person that, you know, it is a two-way conversation. It's, I've had doctors and nurses and whatever that have literally face side on to me or their back to me and just typed mm. on their computer and it's really hard to talk to someone or do something when they won't engage with you because you're just, a, it just feels like they're ticking a box so if you have that relationship you know you can create create this space that you can help not only yourself but your child and then you know bring other people you know parents or whoever and go actually I found this really great person you know yeah maybe you might want to talk to them too yeah absolutely because you cannot create a relationship or a partnership when you've got your back to someone yeah, no. that's just not how it works because, you know, you need that safe space, you need that trust, you need to feel like they're listening to you in order for that to happen. And if that's not happening, then you're kind of like, well, I don't know why I'm going to bother telling you my story because I don't feel like you're listening anyway. No, and that's it. So then you're just like, oh, well, and then they stop typing and it's like they look at you and it's like, oh, sorry, was I meant to keep going because now you've caught up? It's just, yeah. Ugh. 
Oh, yep. And you're so right. I'm a huge believer that not every health professional is right for every family. And, you know, I often check in with my families that I'm working with. Look, if that's working for you, fantastic. If I am not working with or for you, please let me know. Like, don't drop off the face of the off the earth. Let us help you find someone that you do gel with. Because much like a GP, whether it's a GP or an OT or a psychologist or a child health nurse or whoever it is that you have on your team, if you don't like them or you're not getting along with them, don't lose faith in the whole system of it. Okay, you're not right for me, but I'm going to keep knocking on a door until I find the person that is right for me because you still absolutely deserve all of the help and support that is available and you deserve the health professional that's going to work with you. Yeah, and, you know, it can be a very hard journey. So it's nice to to hear that because, honestly, the amount of medical professionals I've spoken to for myself and my kids, it's a journey. And when you find that person, <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness, like I love them. Like to be yeah. like my youngest daughter, her name is Juliet. And to be completely honest, she's actually named after my GP I had in Sydney because she was the only person who listened to me. Isn't that incredible? And that is because, you know, people will never remember what you said to them, but they will always remember how you how they made you feel. Mm. And that's why you named your daughter Juliet, mm. because somebody made you feel valued feel heard, feel understood, and you felt supported. And like that is just a gem of a gift to have, I think, when someone can do that for you. For me, I think like medical professionals, they just, they can really change someone's life and they hold such a big place. And especially for when you're searching for someone to listen to you or, you know, you're thinking maybe this is just me or whatever else, it's it. Finding that person to, yeah, again, be heard and all of that, it's, mm-hmm. it is life-changing. So for me, I would be so emotionally invested in everybody. I wouldn't be able to do this, uh, honestly, but it just takes such a special person to do it that there's obviously a reason why you become a medical professional. So I'm very interested in what made you take this path. That's a really interesting question, Danny. And as we spoke earlier about, I often have a short answer and a long answer. This one's a slightly longer answer, but I promise it'll be worth it if you just hang in there for a minute. Is that all right? I will. I'm absolutely (laughs) hanging on. So I've always wanted to be a nurse. I grew up in a small country town that also had um, a coal mine in it. um, And we grew up on a farm and I was always going to be a nurse. I was always going to do school and go to boarding school and go to uni and be a nurse. My dad had a farm accident that was pretty brutal and he became very unwell from it, unfortunately, when I was, I think, eight or nine years old. And he spent a reasonable amount of time in a metropolitan hospital away from us all and then gradually got to step back down to our local hospital, which was very cool that he was coming home. So then in the afternoons after school, by that time we'd moved into town. So after school, we'd kind of come via the hospital, say good day to dad, tell him all about our day, jump all over his bed and annoy him, and then kind of toddle off home with mum. So I'm one of five kids. And then when he was able to go from home from the hospital into the home, the blue care nurses would come along and do his dressings. Honestly, couldn't even tell you how often. But anyway, often enough as a kid, we'd see them. And I used to love the days that they'd come around because I could see that every time they come around, although it was really painful for dad to have his dressings done. I could see that they were getting better. Like his feet were getting better. He was getting better. He was moving more. He was able to do more things with each visit. And 
honest to goodness, Danny, the nurses, most of the nurses that would come to our home were like, hey, how was your day? What did you do at netball? You know, I felt like they spent most of their time talking to us and some of their time, you know, helping dad. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to help people like that when I grow up one day, because to me, it was really important. So then fast forward a couple of years and I was mucking around on the guardrail of your steps doing something that my mum had literally just told me to stop doing or you're going to fall off. And of course, at 10, I listened and fell off and broke my arm. I ended up in hospital that night because they had to do a reduction and put a cast on it. And being one of five, dad was back at work by that time and was shift work and mum had to go home to the other four kids. And I had to stay in the hospital by myself. And I was so scared. I was really I hadn't been on school camp or anything, like we've been to a couple of sleepovers, but being in the hospital on my own that night was really scary for me. And there is a nurse and her name is Katie Durkin and she sat with me. She played card games. We coloured. She talked to me. She held my hand and she sat with me until I went to sleep that night. And she said to me, it's okay. It'll be better in the morning. You go to sleep and when you wake up, it'll be better. And, you know, I remember thinking, I feel okay now. She's sitting here holding my hand and everything's going to be all right. I woke up the next morning and it was all fine. Everything was fine. My arm felt better. It wasn't hurting anymore. Mum and the rest of the crew come up. You know, happy days I got to go home. But I can tell you exactly what colour her hair is, what shoulder length it was, the kindness in her voice, because she made such a huge difference to me that night. And I, from then, went, that's the type of person I want to be and that's how I want to make people feel safe and secure and valued. So that's why I grew up and become a nurse. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Like... I just had all these feels just from that. Like it's, yeah, it's it's so impactful that you saw how it, like, you know, it impacted like your family and everything and then your own experience and then that's what shapes you to do what it is you do. Yep. It is, it is I you know, I think life experience, I don't think we, you know, pay as much attention as we should as to how these things shape us. Yeah. I guess, you know, you could have, you know, done any type of nursing though, but you chose, you know, being a maternal baby nurse or maternal nurse. What then made you take, I guess, that shift then? I have always, I grew up loving all of the kids, babysitting all of the kids, rocking all of the kids, you know, playing with all of the kids. I thought I'd grow up and be a mum of like five kids and have just always enjoyed tiny humans because I just think they're really cool and I think they view the world so incredibly honestly and so incredibly innocently and with such awe. And I think, you know, if we could all just be a little bit more like that some days, our whole life satisfaction would probably be better. I was working in a small rural town at that stage as a registered nurse and we weren't a delivering hospital. I thought, oh, being a midwife would be cool, but I've since decided that's not anywhere where I want to go down. But thought, oh, a child health nurse would be very cool because then I'd get to hang out with all these cool babies and all these cool mums every day. And our local child health nurse visited once a week, sometimes once a fortnight for three hours. And our whole community was just booming with these beautiful mums and these beautiful babies and these young families and she was just booked out all the time and there was just not enough services and I thought well I live here and at that stage that was going to be our forever town and I was like well it makes perfect sense for me to do my child health nurse and that way I'm a local and I'm here and I'll always be here and we'll be able to bring a few more services to the town which was really cool so then I went on to do my graduate certificate in maternal child health. Mm. So how much longer does that take you to become qualified to do that so after you've done like 
nursing to be a registered nurse and then on top of that how that's a a lot of study oh I'm a bit of a nerd yeah look, <laughs> I'm a bit of a data geek and I'm a bit of a nerd love a good read love some good stats and I love a good research study so I was quite okay with doing that so I've done three years in nursing and to get my bachelor of nursing as a registered nurse and then it was only another 12 months as uh, externally to do my graduate certificate okay. okay and I didn't have kids then either so I you know you have so much more time in the whole wide world when you um pre-kids. Yeah, yeah, I forget about these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. No, I, I really like that too then how you saw a gap in the health services in your community though and you were there so you were like, I might as well fill that gap. I, I like that too. And well, to me that sort of stuff makes sense. I'm, I feel like I'm a very practical sort of um <laughs> person you know we were talking in a group today about Melbourne Cup tomorrow so for context it's the last it's Halloween today but anyway context tomorrow's Melbourne Cup day and they're like oh this person will bring this and this person bring that and this person bring that I went I'll bring the plates and knives and forks you know the plastic cutlery because there's no point having all this nice food if we've got nothing to eat it on yeah and they looked at me and they're like geez you're very practical aren't you I'm like well you know you find a spot you fill the spot I don't think it's, sometimes it's not that difficult mm. I, that's I like the way of thinking. That's um, it's very logical, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very practical. Absolutely. I guess that's obviously a great key skill and trait you need to be a nurse. So, I guess what advice would you give to someone who is considering to go down the lovely nursing route? Do it. Absolutely, do it. And whatever it is, much like a health professional, if you find you don't like, find another one. If you do your nursing and you go, geez, this isn't my thing, I don't really like it, find another aspect of nursing. There are thousands of opportunities and different areas of nursing that you can go into and specialise into. It doesn't have to be the hardcore emergency nurse down in rural Brisbane in the emergency department. There is just so many areas of nursing you can go into and just enjoy whatever it is that lights you up that made you want to be a nurse in the first place find that and do that yeah no I I like that because you obviously you found your gap where you were and then obviously you've moved since then and I guess what made you then come up with that you were going to do your own thing for yourself (laughs) in this sort of context yeah so we had a bit of a sea change once we'd been living rurally and went down to South Brisbane. And I was fortunate enough to work on the Gold Coast with the community and child health family down there. And the services down there were incredible. As in like our first case conference meeting, I had an A4 page of acronyms of services that our families could access. And I was like, whoa, how come you guys have these? Why don't any of our other families have any of this? And if I don't know about it, then you can bet your bottom dollar on it that they don't know about it. So as much as I thoroughly enjoyed my time down there and learned some incredible lessons as a health practitioner down there, I just couldn't shake the fact that I still don't think it's very fair that these guys have access to all of this and our rural mums don't. So then we come back rural and were kind of COVID kind of turned up and I went to make a health check appointment for my youngest at the time. And not only was there a six-week wait to get in, there was also a lot of the clinics I run out of the hospitals. And I was like, 
Well, firstly, six weeks rolls into Christmas, so it's going to have to be January now. So then that made it late because, you know, I was the normal mum and probably run a little bit late to book his appointment in. Mm. And the very last place I wanted to be going in the middle of a pandemic was to an acute hospital Mm. to be seen. And I thought I rang my girlfriend that I'd been working with down at the Gold Coast just to say hello, see how she's going, and I really would do it quite frequently just because I really missed working in child health and be like, tell me all about what's happening. And she's like, oh, gosh, Beck, we've been doing telehealth, yada, yada, yada. And I went, hang on a minute, tell me more about that. If you guys can live next door to your clinic and you guys can deliver telehealth services, why on earth can't I do that to all of our rural mums? So I hung up from her and I rang my best friend. I'm like, hey, Margs, guess what? I've got the best idea ever. And from that came rural child health because I'm like, well, if they can deliver it online, down there, then there shouldn't be any reason I can't deliver it online to all of the mums across Australia. I love that. I think, you know, well, why can't I do it? I love that. Why can't Well, well, why can't I? And now I am, which is very cool. One of my favourite things. It is cool. So tell me, what is like your typical day look like then? Oh, um, I think like lots of mums, our typical day looks a bit different depending on what day it is. Mm. But from my rural child health kind of point of view, a typical day looks like getting up whenever the children wake up. I used to be a morning person. I used to love mornings. I was those, that person that people would be like, oh, God, she's awake. She's so cheery. Now I'm like, oh, my God, everybody's awake. I've got to get out of bed type of a person. <laughs> um, so whenever the children are awake is when I'm up, and that's anywhere from kind of 5 till 6 a.m. Mm. And the very first thing that I do when I get up, apart from give the boys a kiss and a cuddle in the morning, is we flick the kettle. Our big boy knows that we go straight out and the kettle gets flicked because mum needs a cup of tea. That is the very first thing that we do and a nice, good, strong, hot hot cup of English breakfast. Thanks very much. I'm a bit of a tea snob. I like it to be twinings. Um, You can keep your coffee, but I'll have my tea. So we have a cup of tea. We sit on the floor and have a bit of a play round the troops up for brekkie and then roll out to the rest of the day, which usually looks like I'm – lots of people have morning routines, Danny. I'm an evening routine person. So at night time, the uniforms are organised, the lunches are packed, the school bags, like the water bottles are filled, the lunch, you know, everything's as it should be. The shoes are set out because mornings are hectic and I don't need to add more things to do in my morning. So I really like that we kind of get up and we have a bit of a play and we read a couple of books or we muck around and then we just kind of – we only do what we really have to do in the mornings and I that works well for us. Mm. So, and then we go into trying to make sure my social media is up to date, which sometimes I'm good at, sometimes I'm not great at, checking to see if there's any discovery calls booked and, and having a chat to the mums who want to know a bit more about the service and then doing any appointments that are booked in for the day via Zoom or the telephone, depending on what their preference is. And then somewhere in there kind of keep chipping away at that, the background the business stuff in the background of, you know, other books matching up and have we got that PDF sorted so I can pop that out into the email sequence and, you know, those logistical things in the background, dinner prep and, you know, all of those boring things and after school activities and washing. So, you know, nothing outrageously, excitingly different to most people. (laughs) Adulting, isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? (laughs) It's relentless is what it is. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Just when you were were saying about talking like obviously just about your day then my brain just had a click at the moment is that so obviously you know people are telling you things in their you know 
your consults and everything with them. If there, yeah. if you do end up finding that there's an issue or something's happening or a challenge, yeah. how, how do you, I guess, in your role go about, I guess, facilitating referrals or connecting people with the right people that if they need to progress from, from something like, you know, that yeah. needing extra assistance maybe? I'm just curious, I guess, in this lovely world we live in now. Yeah, absolutely. So I am absolutely not the holder and be all of knowledge. That is not my job. My job is not to know everything. Yeah. My job is to be able to help you and support you. My job is to know what's normal for children's development and what's not and how to support parents best. And then my job is to make sure that you're connected with the people that you need on your parenting journey. And so that would look that might look like for some people referrals if the family want a referral. Not everybody wants a referral. So mm. I might go, hey, I think a referral to this person would be okay. What do you reckon? And they might go, you know what? That's not my thing. Okay, that's fine. Well, you know what? Let's keep working together and we'll see what we can do between us then. Because some people are at different stages of their journey of where they would like to accept help and what they'd like to do. So in regards to referrals, I'm very keen on collaboration and making sure that they've got referrals to the people who they want to see Mm. in the right order that they need to see them. And people that are going to work well with them, you know, there's no... Ideally, locally, there's no point me referring someone from, you know, Quilpie into someone in Brisbane. Mm. That makes zero sense. Let's find someone local that you can do or someone who does telehealth as well. So that way we can reduce your stress, reduce your cost, reduce your travel with kids because, good lordy, we know that they are not actually that fun to travel with Mm -hmm. Um, and try and work out how best we can do that as a team. I I really like that because you might not be in the right point you know, financially or a whole range of things or you've got little kids, littler yep. ones or whatever it is and putting everybody in the car and going somewhere. It's like, well, right now, like this is this is a future self thing that we need to do. But right now we need to actually address this right now. And I like that collaboration of, you know, sometimes people just, you know, write a magical referral and it's, oh, see you later. I'll see you in 12 months time after then we don't talk at all. Yeah. Oh no, I'm far too nosy to that. I like to know what happened. How did you go? What were they like? For a bunch of reasons. One, to make sure that you're getting the care and support that you need as a parent. But two, I don't want to keep referring my families into someone that no one likes. Yeah. Like that's no fun. That doesn't reflect very poor, like it reflects fairly poorly on me. And it's not a nice experience for families to go through. So, you know, I like to know how did the referral go? How was the appointment? Did you find it helpful? You know, what worked? What didn't? I like to stay in on the loop because I feel so privileged that I get to walk along with you guys as you go through your parenting journey. And that's something I think that's really important to have is that you're there to support them. And Mm. in whatever way that is, you're there to support them. And I really, I think that's something that we need so much. And Mm. I don't think we have that emphasis on things as I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about, you know, back in the day when everybody had the same GP that they had since the beginning of time and you kids, 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 whatever. And I was like, and I said something the other day and the lady was like, yeah, no, we were chatting about it too. And she was like, I was like, I've had four or five GPs since I've only lived here for three years because no one stays. So like, of course, it's really hard. And then you're explaining yourself again. Again and again and again. You know, that consistency in a health professional that you click with is just so important. And it's gold. It is absolutely gold when you find it because, you know, no one wants to tell their story again. 
to someone who's probably not really listening that well. No, and then because you say it so many times and you could have forgotten something or, you, yeah. you know, just oversighted something or you're not mm-hmm. emphasising that, hey, this is actually a problem or. Yeah. No, yeah. I um I think that's, this is sort of, I guess, flowing into what I, I want to ask you then is mm-hmm. with, you know, obviously this is your jam, this is what you do and helping support, you know, women and their children. What do you believe is their biggest hurdle in regional, rural, remote Australia? Oh, I think it's compassion and understanding and I think it's accessibility. You know, like three out of five people who live in rural, regional or remote Australia don't access healthcare because it's too hard. It's either not accessible locally, you've got to travel too far to get to it or it's too expensive. And I just think that is such an incredible hurdle because I'm a huge believer in knowledge is power and when we know better, we can do better. And the early intervention is absolutely key to better health outcomes. So if we're leaving our appointments for too long because we can't get there or we can't book in or it's too far away or it's too expensive and we're picking these things up later, you know, it's just harder. The journey's harder than it needs to be and I'm I'm not okay with that. I think that's our biggest challenge in, in rural Australia. I think people get over me saying this probably at work but I'm always, I'm like, can we be proactive and not reactive? And not reactive. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes. I love proactive, love education, love early intervention, love, you know, you can expect this. Yeah. Next stage is this. So then when you're walking through that next stage, you're like, oh, I already knew this was kind of coming. Whoa, hang on. No one mentioned that. That's not normal. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. It makes Agreed. a difference. It's just like, you know, and then we're all you rushing to get everything together and to do something. It's like, oh, look, I've already like preempted that I'm going to have to <laughs> probably do this. And let's just, let's just find a little bit more zen because there's going to be a whole yep. heap of other stuff that's going to happen that I don't need to be worrying about. So let's just, let's just that's tick right. those off. Absolutely. I find it really challenging in this sort of space is that, you know, health is this wonderful conundrum of things I find and I feel like it's like Pandora's box but (laughs) how do you think like you know this is you deal with this day in day out how do you think we can you know maybe reshift people's mindsets or I don't I don't know this is your deal what do you think we can do to to help people in our regions that's a really thought-provoking question (laughs) what can we do health-wise you mean yeah to reduce that challenge and that hurdle of yeah. accessing it. Yeah. Reduce the stigma. Mm. You know, reduce the stigma of any of it. Oh, geez, your child's not moving like the other kids. Oh, geez, is there something wrong with them? No, there's nothing wrong with my child. My child is perfect for exactly who they are and where they're at. They might not be doing this as much as the other kids, but I need, you know, Instead of being judgy, and geez, you're obviously not, you mustn't have given them enough tummy time or have you made sure you're interacting with them and you're doing a Montessori-style parenting? You know, how about instead of the judgment, hey, I've noticed this. Have you talked to anybody about this? Did you know I talked to this child health nurse and they were really great or I, you know, we were concerned about something like this with our child and this is our journey. And I think if we just showed a whole lot less judgment and a lot more compassion and understanding for people to access health, then that whole process would be easier, whether it's for mental health, whether it's for physical health, whether it's for growth and development for your child, 
whatever that looks like. I think if people felt that there was just less judgment and less stigma and that it wasn't them doing something wrong that's caused this, that it's just a natural part of let's be more curious about the world, then I think our challenge would be a lot easier to overcome. Oh, you just got um, me all just casually tearing up here because um, uh, oh, I went through this whole thing because um, my middle daughter was diagnosed with autism and I mm. had people that would say to me, do you know what's your parenting style is why she's autistic? You know, Do you know if she just disciplined her better or yep. give her a smack or you weren't so gentle and kind to her, she'd be different, right? Yeah. That is full sarcasm, just dripping with sarcasm. Oh, I know. Just I, in case you No, no, <laughs> I, I got your sarcasm, yeah. but that was yeah. literally, it was just, yeah. and I had people thinking like they were going to catch the autism. Or, oh, it's highly contagious. Yeah, you yeah. You should watch it. And, and then trying to explain to people that, masking and how we're really good at school but at home we're not good or what parallel play and all whole heap of things of it's just all in your head if you just did something different or whatever else and why would you want to put a label on it because how is it going to help them and it's just it's really hard and the judgment is really hard and when you're in that place of you know wanting to see someone or trying to get some answers mm-hmm. or going through that really horrible time, yeah, it's it's bad. And, you know, mm. I didn't have people really that were like, yeah. hey, you're doing a really good job. <laughs> it was the judgment was deafening. Because all you feel is the judgment. And I tell people all the time, dude, you don't need to give me a hard time. I do that enough on my own. Hmm. So mums do the same. Mums don't need other people giving them a hard time. Mums need other mums going, geez, I can see you're really worried about that or, geez, that looks like that was really tough. You're doing a really good job. Hey, do you want a hug? Yeah. You know, can I go get a coffee for us? Can I swing your swing on the kid for a couple of minutes? Like it would just be so much easier because that whole process that you are still going through, I have no doubt that you're still going through that, is, you know, in your brain you're like, oh, my gosh, this is hard. Yeah, parenting's hard. No, no, I feel like every single day this is really, really hard and I clearly am doing something wrong because I don't feel like everybody else finds it that hard and they just don't get it. And if we could just remove the judgment and increase the general education about so much of those of our beautiful neurodiverse kids and just anything else in general about global developmental delays or general growth and development of our Mm. tiny humans, then I just feel like it would be a much more inclusive place as a mum to be. I I just really loved how before you were saying about like kids rolling and doing all this and it was, I remember at mother's group and again, I was in Sydney and I was a lot younger than everybody, like by 10, 15 years. And it was all, you know, you know, my kids rolled and my kids done this and done that. And, you know, that's fine or whatever else. And I'm, I'm all for that ticking off your milestone. That's very exciting, whatever. But then, you know, it is this thing too. There was one lady in my mother's group. She was really struggling with breastfeeding and the lady nurse, whoever she was getting advice from was just, you need to keep going. And it was, Mm. she was, the poor kid was not putting weight on and she was so stressed and this advice that she was giving was not helpful and it wasn't Mm. supportive and she was struggling. And I was just like, maybe, like, maybe the intentions were good there. Maybe that she was trying, you know, whatever, but 
it wasn't paying off. It wasn't helpful. It wasn't whatever else. And I look at the, you know, the journey I've been through with my daughter and she, I tell people she has the most beautiful brain. Mm. I love her brain. I love how it works. I love how she sees things. Yes, some things are very challenging. Some things, though, are just magic and I my face lights up of how amazing it is. And some, again, some people are very unhelpful with those things. Yeah, yeah. But it's recognising, and I tell my kids all the time, and I don't think we say this enough because we, we're so much in this bubble of, you know, this picture perfect, you know, yeah. social media, whatever, is I say it would be so boring if we were all the same. Yeah, absolutely. So boring. Can you imagine it? Oh, we're all having the same conversations and we're all wearing the same thing and we're all going to the same place and oh my goodness, so boring. Like, please, just. So boring. No, like, this is what makes it interesting. This is what, you know, challenges. This is how we can show compassion and empathy and a whole range of things. I just, I think we miss this picture and I just, I love how you said that before about it was just, it's true. Like, oh, everyone's different. Is that, you know, doesn't matter if they crawl and go straight to walking. It's all good. No stress. That's right. And how I just look at that, Danny, and I go, and how lucky is your daughter that she's got a mum who's like, dude, you are cool and amazing just as you are and that you love her for exactly who she is, not for the child that you were expecting to have. And that is such a gift. And I don't doubt that there has been some struggles along the way with that because there's a bit of a grief process attached to that. And I won't bore everybody with the details because you've lived it. But how fortunate is she that she's got this mum who just looks at her, who's just, she lights you up and you can see and you embrace how beautiful her brain is because they see the world so differently. And it's such a gem. It's such a treasure, such a pleasure to see the way they view the world. If you take the time to get to know them and get to see the world from their point of view. Oh, and it's just like what you said earlier about seeing things through children's eyes. It's it's exactly what you just, you said earlier. And I just, I really, I really enjoy that. Like, again, it, it's, we have expectations in our heads maybe of what things mm. are going to look like, but I think it makes us, it opens our minds to different things and we see things in a different way. And I, I never knew what an occupational therapist was until my daughter started seeing one. Mm. It, it wasn't something that we talked about. Like it wasn't like, oh, you know, a nurse or a GP or whatever. It was, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, I don't know what that is. That's a whatever. Like, yep. Yeah. I love OTs. I just love them with all of my heart and soul because they are so incredibly adaptive and I think they are the most underrated health professionals ever because nobody knows that they exist and nobody knows what they actually do. But, oh, my goodness, they are just life-changing for our little humans. And they are. And I just mm. – but this is the thing, though. Again, we don't we don't have these conversations about these sort of things and how – you know, you're, you have such a role with parents and their child mm. and how you have that connection. If you don't have that connection, and this is, I think, for me is, you know, I've established, I'm very fortunate, I've been able to establish a whole range of things to support my little person. And mm-hmm. from who she is now to how she was, you know, however many years ago, she is, you know, gangbusters. She's a yeah. little fabulous person. And what you were saying about access to services, this is what breaks my heart now is 
not every family or every child or whoever has you know, either the skill set to be able to find these resources or knows what to look for or to recognise these signs or things. And that for me is what breaks my heart is because some people can't or don't know how to get this help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's a huge struggle. And that is absolutely such a challenge, isn't it? Like I'm a huge believer that your lifestyle and your location should not determine the level of care that you can access. Yeah, And that's why I do what I do, because I want everybody to be able to know who they can access, when they should access them and how to access them when they need to. Again, like I didn't have, you know, I grew up in Coba and we had, you know, a couple of thousand people and it was just, you know, you had your generic type mining jobs and it was sort of, you know, it. It wasn't, oh, you should maybe look out and do these other things and, you know, technology's come a long way, I know, but... It is still, you know, stepping outside of that box and, you know, moving away or, you know, you've got to go away to, you know, do prac or to do things like this to learn or, you know, have that life experience at times. And it it can be really scary and, you know, maybe you can't afford to do it or a whole range of things. And it's just, I don't know, I I say to people, if I had a load of money, I I would be broke because I just (laughs) would just keep, you know, honestly, yeah, I don't know. Health is just, I'm just like, let's, what else can we do for the health? Yeah. What else? Yeah. I love it. I love your enthusiasm. Well, the health is very lucky to have you on this side. So thank you very much for advocating so strongly and passionately for that, because I promise you there have been other families who have benefited from your, your passion and your advocacy about that. Well, let's hope so. And I, look, I know I said I wasn't going to keep you super long, but I'm just super enjoying talking to you, to be quite honest. I'm just, That's completely fine. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I'm going to, oh, goodness, I'm just trying to think of what I want to last question I want to ask you because I'm just, just so excited actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, no. Um, hmm. Okay. How do you want to be remembered? As I said before, um, Danny, I'm a huge believer that people will not always remember what you say, but they will always remember how you made them feel. I want to be remembered by people who I come into contact as somebody who made them feel better, who made them feel valued, who made them feel heard, who made them feel understood. And I want them to walk away remembering me as someone who just made their heart feel better because that's important to me. That was our ninth episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week, same time, same place with our next installment. We have some brilliant episodes coming up, so keep a lookout on our socials for sneak peeks. You'll hear from us soon.